You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. And welcome to the program. Today is the 16th day of August 2021. Today we're going to be getting into Chapter 15 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 6, starting on page 243 and going to page 2, I'm oh, sorry, yeah, 258. Uh, this chapter is probably going to take three or four uh, programs to go through. And the, the title of this chapter is The Keys to Plural Marriage. So um, I am driving a truck, 
and that's what I do for a living. My 15-year-old son and my wife will be reading tonight. And Emma, what page are we in in Enzyme to the Nations? Um, for Enzyme to the Nations, we're on page 1006. I'm actually going to be reading out of that book. Um, as you can hear, I've got my two-year-old trying to climb up my leg right now. Um, so I'm trying to get situated. Um, okay. Yeah, but if you want to do the dedication and stuff, I'll try to have myself ready yeah. by then. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll do the dedication. Um, if you are listening, um, you can, uh, well, there's a couple of different ways to listen. You can either go to iTunes and listen to the programs uh, after they're live, and then during the program, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And you can read the text to what we read every night on facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z, U-R-U-S, 1977, and also on several groups and pages. Some of them are LDS Last Days, Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, and then some of the pages are Zion's Redemption Bookstore, and Zion's Redemption Radio Network, as well as Church of the Living Messiah. Um, so the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827, so you can listen on your phone line. There are 50 lines available for people to listen to the, the show on. And you can also uh, find a chat room for asking questions or making comments at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. Now, if you do call into the show after the reading and you want to come on the air, just press 1 and we'll see that you're there and we'll bring you up. Also, um, you can push 1 and I'll bring you into the call screening room before I put you on live. So if you don't want to be on the air but you do want to ask a question, I will address your question on the air after you ask me the question. It's up to you. So, But, yeah, like if anybody wants to talk or ask me a question during this live program, um, there is a way to do that. So, all right, um, I'll dedicate the program, then we'll get right into the reading. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank thee, Father, for the sacrifice of our Savior, Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus the Christ, and for the plan of salvation that has been implemented in many worlds. We thank thee for the gospel plan of salvation and for the laws of the eternities that we are made privy to through the prophet Joseph Smith and other prophets. We love thee, Father, and we ask for thy blessings to be upon us. And we say these things in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, Kim. Okay, I was just trying to connect the headset, so... Hopefully, it sounds good. Testing, testing. Yeah, you can hear me? You sound good. I can hear you. Okay. All right. Okay. Hi, Arius. <coughs> um, 
Okay. Let's get right into this reading. So chapter five, the keys to plural marriage, page 243. For I have conferred upon you the keys and power of the priesthood, wherein I restore all things and make known unto you all things in due time. That's D&C 132, verse 45. Um, Lydia, can you come get him because he's sliding chairs? Thank you. The joys of a two-year-old. <laughs> he wants to know what I'm doing and what I'm reading, so he's climbing up in his chair. Okay. There have been more disagreements, confusion, and controversy over the keys to plural marriage than all the other keys combined. For this reason, this chapter will be the longest, and for many readers, the most interesting. It will be divided into the following major sections. <clears throat> okay, number one, background of priesthood, keys to plural marriage. Number two, the keys of 1886 and beyond. Number three, a key to the manifesto. Number four, from persecuted to persecutors. Number five, groups and splinter groups. I think number four will be the most interesting for me. Okay, starting with background of priesthood, keys to plural marriage. Ever since its introduction by Joseph Smith in the 1830s, the law of plural marriage has been a highly controversial subject that has certainly not lost much intensity through the years. The arguments about who does and does not have the keys to perform plural marriages have been debated over and over again. But one thing is certain, those who oppose plural marriage do not hold the keys to plural marriage. Page 244. Plural marriage has been the subject of hundreds of speeches, books, lectures, and debates. But let's allow Orson Pratt to briefly represent all of them with these remarks. This is funny. Briefly, it's like a page and a half, almost two pages of his briefly um, what he has to say. So this is from Journal of Discourse, Volume 17, page 224 and 225. Quote, God has told us, Latter-day Saints, that we shall be condemned if we do not enter into that principle. And yet I have heard now and then, I am very glad to say that only a few such instances have come under my notice, a brother or a sister Say, I'm a Latter-day Saint, but I do not believe in polygamy. Oh, what an absurd expression. What an absurd idea. A person might as well say, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I do not believe in him. One is just as consistent as the other. Or a person might as well say, I believe in Mormonism and in the revelations given through Joseph Smith, but I am not a polygamist and do not believe in polygamy. What an absurdity. If one portion of the doctrines of the church is true, the whole of them are true. If the doctrine of polygamy, as revealed to the Latter-day Saints, is not true, I would not give a fig for all your other revelations that came through Joseph Smith the prophet. Uh, I'm going to stop in the middle of the quote and say that is absurd, actually, what he is saying. If one of them isn't true, then all of them can't be true, which is exactly um, what they do now. Uh, they try to lump everything in. If I was right about one thing, then I must be right about everything. And that's not how you get true and correct revelation. That is not how, um, that's not how it works. So just because you state the truth in one sentence doesn't mean that you do not err in another. Everybody doesn't know um, absolutely everything as true or not. You have to go to God and get the truth from him. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's what everybody is supposed to do. So um, you go line upon line, precept upon precept. So um, I would say that he is wrong in that. However, I will continue with the quote. I would renounce the whole of them because it is utterly impossible 
according to the revelations that are contained in these books, to believe a part of them to be divine from God and a part of them to be from the devil. That is foolishness in the extreme. It is an absurdity that exists because of ignorance of some people. I have been astonished at it. I did hope there was more intelligence coming from coming the latter day, or I'm sorry, among the latter day saints, and a greater understanding of principle than to suppose that anyone can be a member of this church in good standing and yet reject polygamy. The Lord has said that those who reject this principle reject their salvation. They shall be damned, said, or said the Lord. Those to whom I reveal this law and they do not receive it shall be damned. Now here comes in our consciences, our con- consciences. We have either to renounce Mormonism, Joseph Smith's Book of Mormon, Book of of Covenants, and the whole system of things as taught by the Latter-day Saints, and say that God has not raised up a church, has not raised up a prophet, has not begun to restore all things as he promised. We are obliged to do this, or also to say with our hearts, yes, we are polygamists, we believe in the principle, and we are willing to practice it, because God has spoken from the heavens. Now, I want to prophesy a little. It is not very often that I prophesy, though. I was commanded to do so. When I was a boy, I wanted to prophesy that all men and women who oppose the revelation which God has given in relation to polygamy will find themselves in darkness. The Spirit of God will withdraw from them from the very moment of their opposition to that principle until they will finally go down to hell and be damned if they do not repent. That's end quote. Journal Discourse, Volume 17, page 224 and 225. And I know you wanted to say something, Mark. You had your line unmuted for a minute. I would have loved to have said something, but I didn't get to say anything, and now I'm going into the depth, so I can't say anything, so I guess I'll just mute myself. Okay. Maybe in a minute when you get back in better service. Um, Okay, but I will continue reading anyway. But through its brief history as a church doctrine, it changed from an exalting principle to a damning one. And strangely enough, those who once defended it the most seemed to fight against it the hardest. In the beginning of this dispensation, no one really wanted to live plural marriage, at least not as it was intended by God to be lived. It took an angel with a drawn sword to make Joseph Smith live it. Brigham Young said he would rather be the object of a funeral than obey the law. John Taylor said he had been raised with the strictest mortality or morality, sorry, and to live plural marriage was most reprehensible to him. Heber C. Kimball thought it would destroy his marriage, his home, his peace of mind, and so it went with many other early saints. At first, 1843, Joseph Smith was the only one who held the appropriate keys. I hold the keys of this power in the last days, for there is never but one on earth at a time on whom the power and its keys are conferred. Teachings of Prophet Joseph Smith, page 324. Um, Hold on one second. Okay, I'm out of the depth. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. All right. So I kind of wanted to talk, speak to what you were speaking about. So there's a lot of things that... um, that are purported to be true doctrines that are simply the assumptions of men and women, mostly men. Um, One of the things that just outrightly disgusts me about the Restoration is the lies that 
uh, leaders of the church have perpetuated and also the anti-Mormons of the church. They just, there's so many lies. The whole damn thing is mingled with tons of lies. And you can't trust to learn what your salvation is or learn what the gospel is just because some man who claims to be a prophet says to you. That goes for everybody, from Jesus Christ to Joseph Smith to myself. Um, And I think it's CNC section 76 that talks about how, um, you know, the people who are in the celestial kingdom or the terrestrial, I think it is, it says these are they, some of one, some of another, and then it goes through this long list. You know, some of Joseph Smith, some of Paul, some of Cephas, some of Peter, and it even says some of Jesus Christ. And what it means by that is that people, when they hear a person in the flesh speak, whether they are alive or dead, whether no matter what, if they were mortal on the earth and they were a prophet, even Jesus Christ, if you hear what he has to say, but you don't get revelation and confirmation of the Spirit, then you're going to believe false doctrines. They're going to misinterpret his words, even if the translation is correct, which that's huge. Like the translation into Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and all of that into English is so wrought with error. It's just ridiculous. So anyway, but, um, but even if the translation was correct, even if God is speaking to you in the Adamic language, you might still misinterpret things and assume things. It's part of the fallen uh, carnal state of man, the, the nature of mankind, to misinterpret and to assume things. Now, we've got to get revelation for ourselves. We cannot stand on somebody else's coattails and ride into the celestial kingdom without becoming a prophet ourselves. Now, James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If you lack wisdom, ask God, and he will give it to you. But let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that is like a wave is tossed to and fro on the sea. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. Now, what does that mean? It means that you study it out to the best of your ability, and you go line upon line, precept upon precept, and you ask God if what you believe is true. He wants you to be believing as a little child, to hear the words of the prophet, but to go to him and get revelation and confirmation of the Spirit for yourself to know the truth of all things. That's it. And, um, you know, Moses said God would that all of his children were prophets. Exactly. The truth. And a true prophet will teach others how to become prophets, how to stand in front of God and receive revelation for themselves and to try the revelations because Satan will also give you tons of revelations as well. But before I go into this little cut here near Wellington, Um, I assumed for many years that because Joseph Smith, um, because the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints 
teaches Joseph Smith that it's the only true and living church upon the face of the earth. And then I find out about the different branches of the restoration. And then I find out about DNC section 124, Jesus talks about rejecting the church with their dead. I assumed wrong. There's much truth in the church, but there's a lot of errors and lies that doctrines of men mingled with the precepts of precepts of scripture. Now, I'm going through the cut, Kim. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I can go ahead and see and then you can... Oh, yeah? Well, um, I think it's in it's in the Book of Mormon where it talks about in the last days that the uh, whole earth will be full of gross darkness and and nevertheless, there will be few who are the remnant of Christ. Nevertheless, they too will be led in many uh, led in many errors through the precepts of men and false doctrine. And then, um, yeah, also, I don't remember exactly where it is though. Nephi, uh, Nephi's vision—he actually goes into the darkness when he's trying to get to the tree of life, but he goes off into the darkness because he's following a religious leader. And that leader leads him into darkness. And it's not until he turns to God and seeks God and seeks God's faith and revelation from God that he comes out of that, 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 that fog of darkness. So, um, I mean, the LDS Church and the other branches of the Restoration are good for teaching some true things, but the fact of the matter is they teach many precepts of men mingled with Scripture. And just gonna, or if we're just going to follow uh, a man in the flesh, we will be led in error, and that includes the flesh of our own mind and the flesh of other men and women. If we go to as a child going to a parent that's when we know that's when we find out the truth and we've got to get revelation for ourselves and be built upon the rock of revelation and without that we will fall because we're building on a sandy foundation we're told time and time again in the scriptures not to trust in the arm of flesh or in the flesh of our own mind or basically he says trust not in the arm of flesh or make us flesh your arm that means don't don't even trust your own in your own mind. Um, you know you've got to go to go to God to find out what the truth is. So anyway, I'll mute myself. Okay. About forty years later, President John Taylor testified in court that there are hundreds of people who have authority to perform plural marriages. A great many have appointed hundreds. That's Deseret News, October eighteenth, eighteen eighty four. Now we're on page 246. As early as 1829 and 1831, plural marriage was revealed as a true principle and a law belonging to the priesthood and to this dispensation. But at the time, it was not to be given to the church, nor was it to be lived as yet. The prophet Joseph could have obeyed it as early as 1833 and could for certain by 1841. For a list of the names and dates of Joseph Smith's wives, see the article... A, tra- a Trajectory of Plurality, An Overview of Joseph Smith's 33 Plural Wives. That's from Todd Compton, Dialogue 20, 
I guess, chapter 29, verse 2, or page 29, verse 2. <clears throat> I don't know. Summer of 1996. However, the LDS Church did not accept it as a church doctrine until August 28, 1852. This tells us a very interesting fact, that men, even leading men in the church, were practicing plural marriage for at least 10 years before the church officially accepted it. If the church were opposed to plural marriage, which they were, why did so many of the leading men live it? How could men get authority from a church that didn't claim such authority? Or where did they get their authority? Furthermore, if polygamists were caught by church leaders, were they excommunicated? And if so, did that take away their authority? Can the church actually take away some authority which they never had themselves? Should we suppose that Joseph Smith never had the authority even though he said, I hold the keys of this power? That's from Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 324. Obviously, the authority to perform plural marriage was a priesthood authority and was independent of church acceptance or rejection. Plural marriage was a law. As stated 32 times in a revelation given on plural marriage, see Doctrine and Covenants, section 132. But it was a law of the priesthood. See 132, verses 7, verse 19, verse 28, verse 44, verse 45, 46, 58, and 64. The church functioned independently from this law, since it was able to vote it in or out, and they did both. As previously mentioned in this book, the church and the gospel are two different entities. The gospel is an unchangeable product of the priesthood, but the church can accept it all, part or none of it, which they actually did at the time of Christ on both continents. Now on page 247. Since the patriarchal law of plural marriage belongs to the priesthood, if a man was not prepared to obey it, he would lose his keys to the priesthood. This sounds quite radical, but John Taylor explained in Journal of Discourse, Volume 11, page 221, quote, Joseph Smith told others, he told me, and I can bear witness of it, that if this principle, polygamy, was not introduced, this church and kingdom could not proceed. When this commandment was given, it was so far religious and so far binding upon the elders of this church that it was told them if they were not prepared to enter into it and to stem the torrent of opposition that would come in consequence of it, the keys of the kingdom would be taken from them. It was necessary that one grand truth should be unlocked, which is that man and women are destined to live together and have a claim upon each other in eternity. The priesthood being restored, the key was turned in relation to this matter. End quote. Journal of Discourse, Volume 11, page 221. In Nauvoo, the prophet Joseph attempted to recruit his best friends and associates to enter into plural marriage. John Taylor recalls when he and Joseph met on a hill and the prophet said in Journal of Discourse, Volume 24, page 231, quote, stop. And he looked at me very intently. Look here, said he, those things that have been spoken of must be fulfilled. And if they are not entered into right away, the keys will be turned. End quote. Journal of Discourse, Volume 24, page 231. Joseph F. Smith also mentioned how the, these keys could have been turned against them. In Journal of Discourse, Volume 20, page 29, when, quote, when the time came to introduce this doctrine to those who were worthy in the church, God commanded the prophet and he obeyed. He taught it as he was commanded to such as were prepared to receive it and obey. They were commanded to enter into it, or they were threatened that the keys would be turned against them, and they would be cut off by the Almighty, end quote. General Discourse, Volume 20, page 29. As mentioned in earlier chapter, I'm sorry, in an earlier chapter, keys turn. They can both lock or unlock. 
they can unlock the heavens to receive heavenly blessings or they can lock up so men forfeit the blessings. It is very difficult to unlock the heavens, but it is very easy to cause them to be locked up. All keys are easier to lose than to obtain. And this also applies to the keys of plural marriage. And that's the end of that section. Did you want to talk about anything before we go into the keys of 1886 and beyond? No, um, I do want to say one thing. Well, I guess, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't want to say anything, but I'll say this. <laughs> that's my bad habit. Anyway, um, so, okay. The foundation of plural marriage comes from before the Torah. The Torah was a restoration of eternal laws that were known by the antediluvians before the flood and after the flood. Uh, in the Torah, God gives us plenty of laws uh, concerning plural marriage and when it should be lived, when it had to be lived, when uh, and how it should be lived. Um, one of the things is that you have to be able to provide for your wives, all of them equally. You have to be able to give them a place to live, food, uh, clothing, shelter, and you have to provide for their marriage duties, which is a, a biblical way of saying you have to, if they have sexual desires to their husband, you have to be able to provide for that. Now, uh, it also speaks against multiplying wives, and uh, part of the reason why what King Solomon and King David was did that was so wrong was they were not they could have done all of those other things, but having all the wives that they had, they were not able to provide for their sexual desires, which every woman has unless you've got some kind of uh, mental injury because of some kind of thing that happened to you or whatever, but but we all have sexual desires. Now, David and Solomon could not provide for their wives in the way of the duties of a husband to a wife, um, and what they did was wrong. And in fact, in the uh, Book of Mormon, in the Book of Jacob, it actually condemns David and Solomon for what they did. Now, with knowing that, going to section 132, it contradicts the Book of Mormon. We get this revelation supposedly from Joseph Smith through Brigham Young, who was not given to the saints until in the 1850s, I think, and it contradicts the Book of Mormon. Now, Joseph Smith said in the Times and Seasons in April 1844, if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, speaking of the Doctrine and Covenants that he had, then you have to set them down as impostors. DNC section 124 talks about how Jesus would reject the church, and he rejected them in a sense, but not fully but he did reject them from receiving the fullness of the priesthood, which the Father had to give, and they had to build a temple for that to be restored on the earth, which is not the Melchizedek priesthood, as many suppose. So I do believe that there are many true things within Section 132, but I have to really investigate that myself, and we all should, and not just take it, as throw, like take it all in or throw it all out because one part is bad 
I know people who have gotten revelations, myself included, and they'll go back in and they'll change things. And um, if they're not doing it by the will of God, then they're doing it through a false spirit. And I believe Brigham Young added things to that revelation. But I do know that plural celestial marriage is a true principle and a true doctrine. It has to do with being sealed man and woman to complete a bond and that the reason for plural celestial marriage is that um, in the war in heaven, the elect who never went away from the plan of salvation, they qualified for higher blessings. But part of the blessings could not be achieved unless a man and a woman are sealed together through the Holy Spirit of promise. And because there were many more feminine who were elect and they were masculine, God allows plural celestial marriage to be a thing. So people that reject it, I'm sorry, you're wrong. You shouldn't reject it. it rejecting it, just contra- you're contradicting the, the Bible, the Book of Mormon, and the Doctrine and Covenants when you reject it. Now, monogamy is a law unto all unless revelation is received by all parties and individuals who are part of the marriage of the, uh, you know, of the family group. So anyway, um, I'll mute myself. I'm actually here at the, uh, the coal terminal and, uh, I'm going to have to jump out. So I'll mute myself, but I'll still be here. Okay, you actually caught me in the middle of getting a drink of water. Okay. (laughs) Um, We're going to continue on then with the next section, which is the keys of 1886 and beyond. On October 13, 1882, President John Taylor received a revelation best known for for the calling of Heber J. Grant and George Teasdale to the apostleship. It stated... Um, This is from Message of the First Presidency, Clark, Volume 2, page 348. Quote, Let my servants George Teasdale and Heber J. Grant be appointed to fill the vacancies in the 12th, that you may be fully organized and prepared for the labors devolving you upon you, for you have a great work to perform. And then proceed to fill up the presiding quorum of 70s and assist in organizing that body of my priesthood, who are your co-laborers in the ministry? You may appoint Seymour B. Young to fill up the vacancy in the presiding quorum of the 70s if he will confirm to my law. End quote. Message of the First Presidency, Clark, Volume 2, page 348. Now, Seymour Young was to fill a vacancy caused by the death of Levi Hancock, who had died four months earlier. However, Seymour had to live plural marriage to qualify to preside over the the priesthood. Now we're on page 249. Um, And this next quote comes from the 70s and 1880s. In the 1880s, Revelations and Reorganizing, William G. Hartley, Dialogue 16, uh, verse 1, or page 1, spring of 1983. Interesting. So this would be like around my birthday, actually. (laughs) Seymour B. Young added a second wife as ordered by the 1882 revelation before joining the first council. All the first council members that that decade were polygamists. 
end quote. Again, that's from the 70s and 18, in the 1880s, Revelations and Reorganization, William G. Hartley, Dialogue 16, uh, Volume 1 or Page 1, Spring of 1983. Of the 75 senior presidents of the 70, nine were imprisoned for polygamy. It was getting more difficult to comply to that law, and church leaders used the reorganization movement to enforce the word of wisdom, but not to increase plural marriages. That also comes from the same, um, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the same quote, uh, the 70s and the 1880s, Revelations Reorganizing, William G. Hartley Dialogue, <clears throat> but it's from page 86. Hold on a second. Okay, I had to cough. Accordingly, there were a number of men in church positions who asked to be released rather than to take a second wife. Lack of strict enforcement soon made it possible for monogamists to take leading positions in the church, a, con a condition that continued for eight more years until the manifesto, which totally reversed the order. <clears throat> in 1884, when John Taylor was questioned in court by government lawyers regarding the authority to perform plural marriages, he was asked, question, when this authority is conferred upon anyone by you, it is an authority limited to some particular case or general authority. <clears throat> I don't think I said that right. Uh, when this authority is conferred upon anyone by you, is it an authority limited to some particular case or a general authority? Answer, it would be a general authority until rescinded. Question, I understand it is you from whom the authority comes. Qu answer, yes, sir, but I have nothing to do with the details of the matter. Question, but you are the person who confers the authority. Answer, yes, sir. Question, then you do know upon whom you do confer the authority. Answer, there are hundreds of people who have authority. Question, who, is, who in this city is authorized to celebrate plural marriages? Answer, a great many have been appointed, hundreds. Formerly, the apostles were the ones who attended to these marriages, but latterly, a great many others have been authorized. <clears throat> End quote. That comes from Deseret Evening News, October 18, 1884. Persecution and prosecution of the saints by the U.S. government continued to escalate. They were determined to destroy both the Mormons and their polygamy. In 1882, Congress passed the Edmonds Bill, which brought more trouble to the saints. By 1886, the government, which was established to protect citizens' rights, was determined to destroy the rights of the Mormons. Lauren Woolley recalled in The Priesthood of Modern Polygamy, Hales and Anderson, page 50, quote, the brethren were considerably agitated about this time over the agitation about plural marriage, and some were insisting that the church issued some kind of edict to be used in Congress concerning the surrendering of plural marriage. And if some policy was not adopted to relieve the strain, the government would force the church to surrender, end quote. That comes from Priesthood of Modern Polygamy, Hales and Anderson, page 50. <clears throat> About this time, John Taylor authorized and set apart several men to perpetuate the principle of plural marriage and gave them the calling to perform such marriages, regardless of what the church or government might say or do. This was preceded by the revelation of 1886, which was received in the fall of that year. This revelation was received after John Taylor had considered both sides of the issue, but still was unsure as to what to do. George Q. Cannon suggested that he take up the issue with the Lord, which he agreed to do. 
since he was living on the underground, he was at the time staying at the John W. Woolley home in Centerville and entered the South room retired for the night. Lauren Woolley, John's son, and Charles Barrow had been selected to stand as guards in relating the events of that night. Lauren reported also from the Priesthood of Modern Polygamy, Hales and Anderson, page 50, quote, I heard the voice of another man engaged in conversation with President Taylor, and I observed that a very brilliant light was illuminating the room occupied by the president. I awakened Burrell and told him what I had heard and seen, and we both remained awake and on watch the balance of the night. End quote. <clears throat> From the Priesthood of Modern Polygamy, Hales and Anderson, page 50. The next morning, the two guards questioned President Taylor about the strange light and the visitor, to which he responded, I had a very pleasant conversation all night with the Prophet Joseph. He stated that the Savior had also visited them for a while and had given him what we now consider as the controversial 1886 revelation. Sorry, my um, headphones were falling out. It's fine. I got something to say about this. Okay. Okay, so the LDS Church will deny all day long this revelation even exists. However, it was printed in England in the Doctrine and Covenants that was the, they were printing Doctrine and Covenants over in England in the 1800s. And I, myself, in Salem, Utah, uh, at a meeting of people near the Dream Mine, have seen a copy of, of one of these original Doctrine and Covenants. Well, it's not original, but it had this revelation in it. The church did accept it, and then they rejected it because it didn't go along with what the government was forcing upon the people. And the manifesto, which I'm sure we'll talk about, was a compromise to meet or beat the devil at his own game. They continued to live plural celestial marriage after 1890, continuing to solemnize them until the second manifesto of, I think it was 1910. So, um, you know, and the manifesto was not of thus says the Lord revelation, but now the church will gaslight and tell you that this revelation doesn't exist. They don't know what you're talking about. It did. And I've seen evidence of it myself. So um, I just wanted to, to throw that out there because I know a lot of people, they just trust in the, the church so much. They just want it to be true. They were like me when I found out, like, by revelation, Joseph Smith is a true prophet, and I assume that the church is true because I got, you know, I got confirmation that he was a true prophet, and that's all I knew. And so I accepted the church, and, uh, you know, I went on a mission. I got really sick after about a year. Actually, I was sick the whole time I was there, but... They had to send me home. I felt horrible about about having to leave my mission a year early. And I, mm-hmm. uh, when I got better, um, after I'd been released, I didn't have anywhere to go. So, but I did have a CDL because I had a, a degree in diesel mechanics. And so, and I was 21, and I went over the road as an over-the-road truck driver, and I committed to be a missionary to everyone that I would come across in all of North America. And in fact, 
I was set apart as a stake missionary in West Valley, and part of the blessing was that I my area was all of North Amer- uh, North America, which is kind of cool because that's exactly what happened. I was a uh, truck driver for many, many, many years. I've been a truck driver for 25, well, it's like 25 years or something like that. And um, I've been to every single state in North America and many provinces in Canada and many states in Mexico. And I've gone to church all over the same place, and I wanted to be the best missionary that I could. So I studied everything that I could get my hands on. But even before my conversion, when I was a Baptist, I studied all of the anti-Mormon stuff as well. And I continue to study the anti-Mormon stuff and all of the true, true stuff, you know. And that's why I've been able to come across all of these things. And that's why eventually I have to reject the church's authority claims because I understand things by study and seeing how they have gaslit and changed the doctrine and outright lied and come up with these phony revelations uh, in, in our day and age, like within the last couple of years. Oh, and then they have to rescind them because, oops, that's not really what God meant or Oh, it was just a time, you know, it's just stupid. And, uh, you know, that the people who stay in the church, I, I don't understand why they do unless they're ignorant. Well, I guess I do understand why they do because I, I would love to be in the church. You know, I enjoy the community and I loved being in the church, but I can't be in the church and... Uh, I can't serve God and the church because the church has turned to Babylonian businessmen who have hijacked the religion and changed the restoration. And there has to be a cleansing. The NC Section 85 talks about that. Jesus says he would send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, which implies it would become out of order, which it has. So anyway, but... um, I'll mute myself. I just wanted to talk a little bit about that revelation. That yeah, it was in the Doctrine and Covenants, and now they'll say, "Oh, it doesn't exist," and they're liars. They're bald-faced, serving Satan, pretending to serve God, liars. Anyway, go ahead, Jim. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I was just looking to see. So we're on page 252 right now. Okay. Just so that you know where we're at. We still have six more pages to do. It has been stated by more recent church leaders as to this pretended revelation. It should be said that the archives of the church contain no such revelation. In an official church statement signed by Heber J. Grant, Anthony W. Ivins and J. Reuben Clark, they denied the existence of the 1886 revelation. Did they remove this revelation from the archives first so they could be justified in making the statement? One might respond with the fact that there is no revelation in the archives supporting the official declaration of the 1890 manifesto, nor the official declaration of the 1978. Therefore, using the same criteria, we must assume that they are both pretended revelations. Furthermore, 
What they have said about the 1886 revelation could also be said about these last two official declarations, that the said pretended revelations could have no validity and no binding effect and force upon the church members, and action under it would be unauthorized, illegal, and void. That's Deseret News, June 18, 1933. On the other hand, a copy of the 1886 revelation is available, and a photocopy is printed on the following two pages. It was presented by John W. Taylor to the president presidency and quorum of the 12 in, 19, in 1911, excuse me, according to Melvin J. Ballard. The pretended revelation of John Taylor never had his signature added to it, but it was written in the form of a revelation and undoubtedly was in his handwriting. That comes from Marriage Ballard Jensen Correspondence, page 17. B.H. Roberts, while assistant historian of the church, reportedly stated to some friends that he had seen on more than one occasion the original copy of this 1886 revelation and knew that it was in the church archives and, in his opinion, it was genuine. Um, so page 253 is this, uh, 253 and 254 are both um, pictures of, um, I believe, the September 1886 revelation. Um, I think is what it says. Uh, so it's super hard to read because it's in cursive in, um, you know, I supposedly his handwriting, right? Um, and so it's interesting because you can look at it with your own eyes. Well, I could try to read it, but it's super hard to read. John, um, do you want me to try? You can read. You can no, because you'll read it later on or whatever, right? It's okay. uh, it's easier to read, whatever. Anyway, I was just going to say John W. Taylor, the son of J uh, John Taylor, was an apostle in the church, and he knew that this revelation was a true revelation. And they excommunicated him and one other apostle because they wouldn't give up the law of celestial marriage after the monogamous uh, Babylonian hijackers hijacked the church. But, um, you know, they, they knew it was true, and they weren't going to give up a principle of the gospel just to comply and capitulate with Babylon the Grave. And, uh, and they, they were excommunicated, you know. So I don't even know. Anyway, really? Okay. What? I'm sorry. Some... I'm sorry, jackass truck driver is freaking out, like flashing his lights on and off at me and throwing his brights on because I guess he didn't want me to get in front of him. But guess what? The ladies are merging, so, so sad for you. Anyway, uh, I'll mute myself just dealing with all of the fun things about driving a truck. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see, page 255. The real importance of the 1886 experience was not particularly the appearance of Joseph Smith and Jesus to John Taylor, nor the subsequent setting apart of men to seal in plural marriage, because these things had happened before and even afterwards. It was the content of this revelation that was of most significance because the information revealed has served as a guide ever since. In summary, number one, all commandments must be obeyed. Number two, covenants cannot be abrogated or done away. Number three, they stand forever. 
Number four, it is pleasing to the Lord for men to use their agency in these matters. Number five, his word, covenants, and law do not change. Number six, to enter his glory, they must and shall obey his law. Number seven, Abraham's seed must do the works of Abraham. Number eight, the Lord had not revoked that law. Number nine, he will not revoke that law. (laughs) Sorry, excuse me. And number 10, those who will enter into his glory must obey the conditions of this law. After his father's death, Apostle John W. Taylor found this 1886 revelation in his father's desk. And he told his brethren, quote, this is from the trials of John W. Taylor, February 22nd, 1911, page 8, Church Archives. Quote, this revelation is either true or it is false. Assuming that it is true, it seems to me that it would be better to offer leniency on the side of the Lord. If you are going to offer any leniency, then on the side of politics. End quote. From the trials of John W. Taylor, February 22, 1911, page 8, Church Archives. During John W. Taylor's investigation by the Twelve Apostles in 1911, Francis M. Lyman asked him, Do you think anyone can solemnize plural marriages with authority now? John W. said, I feel under certain circumstances they could, but it would depend on the circumstances. I don't know what others have taken from this revelation. If the revelation is true, it would certainly impress me that the church was relieved of responsibility in this matter and the responsibility placed upon the individual. End quote. From the transcript of meeting as printed in 1886 Revelation, pages 10 and 11. Most church members and even leaders would have been eager to accept a revelation supporting a compromise. When John Taylor went into inquire of the Lord concerning a manifesto, he wasn't certain as to whether or not such a compromise would be acceptable to the Lord. When he came out the next morning, his mind was very clear on the course he should pursue. Sign that document never. I would suffer my right hand to be severed from my body first. Sanction it never. I would suffer my tongue to be torn from its roots in my mouth before I would sanction it. That comes from Truth, uh, chapter 20, verse 31, or volume 20, page 31. Um, page 257. Thus it is reported that as that President John Taylor, in a meeting that took place the day after this revelation was received, commissioned men to lawfully continue plural marriages both in and out of the church. Men were obligated to live this priesthood law regardless of what the church said or did to them. Excommunication from the church for living a higher law of the priesthood would not affect their own individual priesthood. The blessings promised for living it would far exceed the sacrifices made. Lauren Woolley, one of those commissioned, declared that John Taylor, this is from statement by Lauren Woolley, reported in 1886 Revelation pamphlet, page 7, quote, then set us apart and placed us under covenant that while we lived, we would see to it that no year passed by without children being born in the principle of plural marriage. We were given authority to ordain others if necessary to carry this work on. They, in turn, to be given authority to ordain others when necessary. End quote. From statement by Lauren Woolley, reported in 1886 Revelation, pamphlet, page 7. Lauren Woolley prepared a statement called Statement of Facts and filled it with the church historian's office in October 6, 1912. This was the first open account of the 1886 revelation and meeting that followed. This whole 1886 experience is the key foundation of those who claim to be fundamentalist Mormons. There is no mention of setting up a church, taking tithing, having weekly meetings, or setting up a colony somewhere. 
Their calling or keys was to, number one, live plural marriage, number two, perform plural marriage dealings, and number three, set apart others with the same calling. And before I uh, conclude this section of this chapter, um, we're going to give you the call-in number is 917-889-8827 if you have any questions or comments that you want to talk about or um, you just wanted to come on the air, that's fine too. Um, and I'm going to give the rest of this chapter, it's not very long, or not it's the chapter but section, and then we will cut off right at the key to the manifesto because that's a perfect place to stop for tomorrow. Okay, and also, um, um, can yep. I ask you to read the revelation that I received on Saturday? Um, okay, <clears throat> um, I would have to find After. it. Do you know where it is? Okay. Okay. Just where you All saw right. it, where I... Oh, you know what? I will send it to I you. Only... Well, I... Okay. Well, I'll I'm reading. I'll post it on Facebook. Yeah, I'll try to post it on Facebook real quick. Okay. All right, because the other way is through a video, and then it's talking while I'm trying to read it, and it's scrolling itself. So, um, yeah, that's hard to read. Okay, well, let's continue on with the rest of this reading for the night. And then in analysis, this 1886 revelation has all the earmarks of a true revelation. Number one, it was, as thus saith the Lord, revelation. Number two, it sustained a correct principle. Number three, it was given to the president of the church, and four, it was in his handwriting and was found in his desk. Um, by con comparison, a phony revelation would have advocated, number one, giving up a true principle, number two, acting for the temporal rather than the spiritual salvation of the church and the saints, number three, surrendering to the enemy, and four, obeying the law of the land rather than the law of God. When the question was asked, the Lord regarding a compromise to give up plural marriage, he responded very emphatically in the 1886 revelation, quote, all commandments that I give must be obeyed by those calling themselves by my name unless they are revoked by me or by my authority. And how can I revoke an everlasting covenant? For I, the Lord, am everlasting and my everlasting covenant cannot be abrogated nor done away with. They stand forever, end quote, from 1886 revelation. Plural marriage is a new and everlasting covenant. Therefore, no mortal man will ever receive any keys to lock up the practice of that principle or do away with it, even though the Lord said he had given his word in great plainness on the subject. Still today, members and leaders alike have great difficulty understanding it. Okay, and then tomorrow we'll, we, we will begin reading a key to the manifesto. Um, and that is right at the end of page 258, um, right before the beginning of 259. Um, <clears throat> okay. And I don't see where you have posted it yet, but if I refresh, I might be able to find it. So just a moment. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just got thrown into the uh, call screening room for, oh. I don't know if I was playing with it or why, but I anyway. I to reload um, it and my finger hit it. I'm sorry. Fine. Um, so before Kim reads the okay, revelation, okay. yep. um, I didn't post it on Facebook. I gave it to you in Messenger and in text. 
Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I've gotten a lot of revelations through the years, and I think it's helpful that people understand that in 2016, I got a revelation from God to leave where we were living in Spanish Fork, Utah, and to move to Emory County and to remain there until uh, until things got so bad that we would have to leave. And then there was another place that God is going to have us go to in the wilderness that he has prepared thousands and thousands of years ago for this very occurrence. Uh, I was told to tell everybody, to warn everybody, to leave the populated areas um, and to gather to Emory County, Utah. Nobody listens. Whatever. And that's why I'm like, okay, well, every time I get a revelation, uh, people don't listen, and uh, and I get a ton of pushback. People say, oh, you're a horrible, evil person. You serve Satan, not God, blah, 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 because you can't get it because you're not the Lord's anointed. Even though the the Father laid his hands on my head physically in 2003 and gave me the fullness of the priesthood and the keys of the kingdom and the priesthood, but people don't accept that. Fine. Whatever. I'm still supposed to be bold and give these things out. Now, um, this is another revelation that God has given me, and I'm always happy when he gives me revelations but it wears me out, and I don't want to share it because I'm tired of it. But I do know that if I don't share it, then I'll be condemned for it. So this revelation was received on Saturday, August 14th, 2021, and uh, it kind of goes along with the other revelations that God has given me and um, I don't know what to tell people. I mean, I'm going to put it out there. It's get, uh, if it is given to you and it is from God, then you need to share it with your neighbor. And if you don't, then you get the condemnation. But I'm not going to have it because I will share it. And people can reject me all they want. At this point, I don't even care because this is the way it is. Anyway, so this revelation... Um, Kim's going to read it and I've done my job by putting it out there so I don't know what to say about that other than here it is so go ahead Kim Okay. written by way of commandment calling attention unto that which is about to befall the inhabitants of this land and the whole earth written as a warning to all and an invitation to work righteousness that they may escape the judgments of God who made them which shall shortly befall the inhabitants of the land. Number one, thus saith the Lord unto all ye ends of the earth. Yea, thus saith the Lord unto all those who it, it is that delight to do that which I shall command in all righteousness before me. Yea, thus saith the Lord unto all who receive of these things and are obedient. There shall be great blessings which shall flow down from heaven, from heavenly places, that ye know not of and shall be unto the salvation of your souls, both according to that which is spiritual as well as that which is temporal. Yea, thus saith the Lord, it is in this manner that I, the Lord thy God, have spoken unto the children of men in all ages of the world upon which thou standest, through my servants, the prophets, 
which world was organized according to a wise purpose in me, which is my glory, saith the Lord. Yea, for thus saith the Lord, the time has fully come, which was prophesied by them of old, who were my servants in the flesh. Yea, even those men of old, who were mighty men in the earth, according to that which is right before me, saith the Lord. Yea, that time is fully here, which was prophesied by them, that it should come. Yea, even unto this very generation, which now standeth in the flesh upon the earth, which, which earth is accounted as my footstool, saith the Lord. Even so hearken, un, hearken ye unto the words of my righteous servant, whom speaketh unto thee this day, whom I, the Lord God, have appointed and ordained unto this power, and unto whom I have given, saith the Lord, the keys of these things. Yea, even the gathering of Israel, my chosen from before the foundation of the world upon which thou standest, whom I have raised up and appointed unto these things. And now, saith the Lord, try me and see if my words which I have spoken shall not be fulfilled, even unto the destruction of that society in which thou livest, which is after the order of Babylon the Great. For she is fallen. She is fallen is, and is become the cage and hold of every foul spirit and the hold of every unclean bird. Yea, even that whore which did cause the nations of the earth to drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, as I, the Lord God, did speak, in that day through the mouth of John, my beloved. For she did cause them to be deceived by the richness of her delicacies, of her herbs, her spices, and her linens, and the souls of men. And the kings of the earth have lived, yea, even deliciously with her. Therefore the hour of her judgment is come, for strong is the Lord that judges her. And unto my people who are of Israel, who hath given heed unto the laws and ordinances of my gospel, I have spoken and administered by my servants whom I have raised up, whose names are sanctified, yea, even Joseph, Hiram, and others of my servants. Did I not prophesy through them that I would raise up one mighty and strong, that he should come unto you and give you words, yea, eternal words? And these are the words which it was written, that they, even they, should come unto thee, O Israel, for this prophecy is fulfilled in your ears, O Israel. And why is it that ye cannot hear, saith the Lord, when I call unto thee from out of the heavens? Yea, will ye reject him whom I have sent unto as the Jews who rejected mine only begotten, when I the Father of heaven and earth shall, or sent him also unto them? Will ye also be smitten and afflicted and tormented, even as they from generation unto generation? And all this because in my wrath I decreed these things in the which they did harden their hearts against me. Yea, will ye perish also like they who rejected mine only begotten? For they also consider themselves to be wise in their own eyes. Yea, thus saith the Lord, yea, even the Most High Father, I have not caused it to be written that I am no respecter of persons, and that the wisdom of, of their wise men would perish understanding the understanding of their prudent men be hid. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yea, who is it that standeth when I, the Lord God of Israel, have decreed that they should fall? Wherefore, O earth, great is he that executeth judgment upon thee, even the Lord God of Enoch. For, he, for great is he when he shall come with 10,000 of his mighty ones to reap down the earth. Therefore, as it hath been written, associate yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, and ye shall fall. Yea, for I lifted up my voice through my witness, that he should cry repentance unto you, and you have hated him. 
when he is bold in declaring my word. And because you hate him, you hate me, the one who sent him. And what will ye say when the lightning shall streak forth from the east unto the west, and the thunder shall utter its voice in the ears of all that live, that they shall tingle with the sound thereof, saying, Repent ye, and prepare for the great day of the Lord. Yea, for thus saith the Lord, If ye reject these things which are true, how can ye receive of that which is greater, saith the Lord, as the heavens are greater than the earth, yea, even that part of the book which is sealed. For I, for I saith the Lord, and he that sealed it, that it should not come forth, except that ye exercise faith in me to receive it. For it verily contains all that has been or ever will be, which things ye receive shall receive from me, saith the Lord. If ye repent and come unto me through him whom I, the Lord God, have appointed, yea, for these are the words which I promised, that they should come even unto you, and that too according to my most holy commandments, in spite of them whom the devil hath raised up among you, who are my sheep, which are wolves in wool suits, yea, ravening the prey and devouring souls. And ye shall be tried, even as was Abraham and Sarah in these things. For, saith the Lord, how can ye receive of their reward, save it be by my law? For all who cannot abide my law, saith the Lord, and come ye out of Babylon, which is fallen, cannot be preserved and sanctified by the same and must perish. And my law, saith the Lord, is that which I shall speak unto my servants. And ye shall receive his words unto you as if from mine own mouth, saith the Lord. And inasmuch as you feel among yourselves to be too wise or too learned to hearken and be obedient unto him in all things, ye must die and perish, saith the Lord, with them who are a law unto themselves. Therefore, hearken unto the Lord thy God and give diligence in keeping those commandments which ye shall receive from him, who was mighty and strong unto the confounding of Lucifer before the world was made. Yea, for he is he that was spoken of by my servants, that he should come even according to that which was written. Therefore, all ye nations fear, tremble before the Lord of hosts, at whose word the heavens shall shake and the waves of sea, the sea roar. And my servant shall be, yea, as a young lion in the midst of them that live in fear, in the fear of the world instead of the fear of the God of Israel, who it is that speak unto thee this day. For I am mighty unto the confounding thereof. But unto them who receive, yea, even these things, will I the Lord turn cursing, which should come unto them, even unto their destruction. Yea, will I turn unto blessing, or blessing, which shall be unto life, and that ye even eternally in my presence, saith the Lord, Yea, for thus saith the Lord, all who will hearken and be obedient, both temporally according to the flesh and spiritually, which is according to my spirit, saith the Lord, shall receive destruction of their souls, both according to that which is spiritual, as well as that which is temporal. For I, the Lord God, will not be mocked. Yea, even the destruction of the body, according to the death thereof, and the destruction also of their spirit, according to the death thereof, which is the second death, which cometh unto all this generation who will not repent, saith the Lord. For I, the Lord God, am God of life, and the everlasting unto those who work according to righteousness and truth, and persist in doing so unto the end, but am a God of death and destruction, and that eternally unto them who work iniquity, and who make lies their refuge, and persist therein unto the end, 
thereof, which and no man knoweth, save he shall be made a partaker thereof. Even so will I, the Lord God, lay judgment to the line and righteousness to the plummet, yea, even in these things, that the righteous may be separated from the wicked, and that eternally. For thus saith the Lord, these things are according to the judgments which I, the Lord God, shall pour out upon them, yea, even without let. For in the fury of my might will I destroy them, saith the Lord. If they are in the midst of Babylon the great, and cease not from their iniquity, and turn their face unto me, and cry unto me for deliverance therefrom, they, meaning this nation, which I did raise up by the hands of my servants, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and others whom I did raise up for this purpose, which men, saith the Lord, this nation, yea, even the inhabitants of the land of this present generation, in their cowardice and madness, and hatred of all that is good and right, would no longer sustain in the statesmanship thereof. <clears throat> Excuse me. For they did not take up the cry and cast out my servant Donald from the presidency thereof through deception and gross lies. For where is the man, saith the Lord, when it is that I shall come unto my glory with them who be with me, who are warriors, full of fury and might of the God of Elijah and Enoch and Moses. Yea, thus saith the Lord God, the blood shall flow and shall come up to the bridles of the horses in that day in which the host of heaven, who be my warriors, shall be unleashed in that day. Yea, thus saith the Lord, fear not him who, when he hath killed the body, that is all that he can do, but fear him who, when he hath killed the body, is able to destroy thy soul. O man, in that hell spoken of. For ye, even ye, are my enemies, and shall perish, O man, except ye humble yourselves, and partake of mine ordinances, and endure even unto the end of in righteousness before me, and mine anointed, saith the Lord of hosts. And except ye do this, ye shall be destroyed, both body and soul, saith the Lord. For I, the Lord, am weary of thine iniquity, O man, and O woman, and thy blasphemies, and thy loud laughter, and thy taking of sacred things lightly, and I shall requite even these things upon thine own head in that day in which more than 12 legions of the sons of God who are with Enoch and Melchizedek shall reap down the earth with my vengeance for vengeance is mine saith the Lord and I will repay in that day which shall burn as an oven for I saith the Lord did raise up one yea even my servant Donald Trump and for his supposed character defect that meaning this nation in their wickedness did cast them out of the presidency thereof. Therefore, this thing shall they have at my hand, saith the Lord. All government will I remove from them that they shall no longer benefit from the blessings, yea, even of these things. Therefore, for this reason, government and the effects thereof shall be taken from them that they may have the, that which they did desire, yea, even death, destruction, and ruin. For the cries of my righteous servants have ascended up unto me, saith the Lord, in these things. Therefore, only that government which I have ordained shall remain. Therefore, give heed and hearken unto my words, that these things come not upon you, for surely they shall come according to the multitude of your iniquities, saith the Lord of hosts. For I shall not be mocked, for surely it is that the Lord God will do nothing, save he shall re reveal his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. Now, who is it that doth mock me in these things, saith the Lord? Even though I, the Lord God, have chosen the man who is my witness, that through him I should speak unto thee, O man. Therefore, 
give heed unto the words which I have caused that they should be written and put into the world. For they verily teach of the particulars and laws which must be obeyed and may not be abrogated in the least by the foolish vagaries and notions of mankind upon the points of my doctrine, which doctrine was instituted for the salvation of my children from before the foundation of the world upon which thou standest. For I, the Lord God, am the same yesterday, today, and forever, and, and am no respecter of persons. And I hereby set my seal, saith the Lord, upon this work, and unto whomsoever it may come, that it verily is through and of me, saith the Lord, and doth teach men the right path which leadeth unto the eternal lives and a spirit of peace will accompany this work to testify that I have spoken it, saith the Lord God of the, of the lives. <clears throat> and it is the only true gospel which is authorized by the heavens and recognized thereby. Even so, be diligent and receive whomsoever I send, saith the Lord. And if ye receive whomsoever I send, ye shall receive me, even Jesus of Nazareth, whom the world in its pride and wisdom and in its multitude of creeds and beliefs, which are the very chains and fetters of hell, hath not known. Even so, until I come. And with it, there was also um, scripture. Um, D&C 85.7, Malachi 4, verse 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 through 9, and Alma chapter 5, verse 60, and Matthew chapter 7, verses 11 through 20. Um, those were, all of that was received the same time. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Can you hear me? I can now, yep. Okay. Um, no, I just, um, you know, I'm the messenger, so um, when God gives me something, I've got to give it out, and I've done so. Uh, you can find the text to the Revelation at... Um, youtube.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. Uh, I posted a reading there on a video format uh, for anybody to go take a look at it and to read it for themselves. Hold on, I gotta go. Okay. Um, I also have to get going because um, the full swing of my job has begun and started up and so I will be busy which is why we changed the radio shows to um, earlier times because I cannot um, stay up that late and get up at 5 a.m. It just does not work for me. So um, yeah. Emmett, did you have anything that you wanted to say about uh, any of this? I know that's the second, I think that's the second time you've heard that. Um, that was the, no, I've asked you about it a couple of times but I haven't heard the whole thing. Oh, Oh, okay. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, other than that, uh, I want to go read those separate scriptures to see what they're about. Uh, so I'll probably do that soon. <laughs> hmm. Other than that, uh, I still think that it's a pretty interesting thing oh, to just hear about this kind of stuff, uh, like revelations and stuff, and just like hear about them and think about them. <laughs> 
it's something I like to do about stuff. I like to read about it and think about it, or like hear about it and think about it, and like, what does that mean to me? Do you have time to read the scriptures that came along with that revelation? And like Kim can attest to you, like she's all, what are these scriptures? I was like, uh, I know one of them. I know kind of another one, but I'm not sure. But they're what came along with the revelation. So, um, do, Emmett, do you have time? Or Kim, does Emma have time to read those? Uh, you know, on the on the air. Tonight? Sorry, I. Yeah, um, I can't. I, I I really do have to be done because I'm 20 minutes late as it is. You know how no, it goes for me. No, I didn't say. I didn't yeah, say you. Said. I said Emmett. If yeah, he wants to, he Emmett, I, do you mind? Well, he wants to know what they are anyway, so he could look them up and and then read them. I actually already, uh, the papers are in the scriptures because I had looked it up the other day and read it to you. So they're already looked up. He just has to open it and read them. <laughs> so, Emmett, go ahead and read them. You can, um, it's written on the paper, but I, if you look in here, or, um, I did this to where it is. Do you see my marking? Yes. So it starts over here. So I'm going to read this. Um, chapter 7, verse 11 of St. Matthew. If ye then, being evil, know how to give, give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall you, your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them to ask him? Uh, verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever... What if you got a boulder stuck up there somewhere... <laughs> Uh, I was like, what are you saying? I think you're unmuted. Uh, Dad. Every ye... Uh, <laughs> I, these pages on this are so thin that I like go to flip it, and I flip like three at once. Whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Uh, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for it is, or for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few be or few there be that find it. Uh, Fifteen. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Sixteen. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Uh, 17. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth good fruit is honed down, honed down, and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Uh, 21. I I don't know if I should read this. Uh, it was on paper. Uh, no, it was only to 20. All right. And the next one is... Uh, Thessalonians, I think. Uh, 7 to 9. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will tell, 
or will let, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders. And the next one is way back there. Uh, it's Alma 560. And now I say unto you that the good shepherd doth call after you, and if you will hearken unto his voice, he will bring you into his fold, and ye are his sheep, and he commandeth you that ye suffer no ravenous wolf to enter among you, that ye may not be destroyed. And the next one is... Is that one? No, that's just a bad page. Okay. DNC section 85... Uh, verse 7, I think. And it shall come to pass that I, the Lord God, will send one mighty and strong, holding the scepter of power in his hand, clothed with the light for a covering, whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words, while his bowels shall be a fountain of truth, to set in order the house of God and to arrange by lot the inheritances of the saints whose names are found and the names of their fathers and of their children enrolled in the book of the law of God. Um, is there any more? I think there is... I think that's all of them. Uh, Malachi, maybe? Did I do that? Man, I think that's all of them. Uh, Dad, are you there? Yeah, but I'm in a really bad... Are you sure that's all of them? It didn't sound like all of them. Um, there might be one, uh, I don't know if I read the Malachi one. So I have, I don't have, like, what he sent to my mom. I have a paper that my mom wrote some down on. Um, so I'm, like, looking through trying to find the right ones. Uh, where is Malachi in this Thessalonians Acts? Yeah, I'm looking through the book. <laughs> Samuel. Where is this? I have no idea where this is. Why can't I find it? Oh, it's the very last one. So I have, like, a book that's a bunch of, like, collections of things, I guess is the right way to say it. And it's on page 1080, which is far into this book. Samuel... Man, I'm sorry it's taken so long. Zechariah. It's before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is after Jonah, yes. Okay, Malachi. Uh, chapter 4, verse 2, or 1 and 2. Chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wicked, 
do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of the hosts, or of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Uh, two, but unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Okay, and that was everything. I did B and C, I did Alma, I did Matthew, and I did Thessalonians. Uh, she wrote down the same okay. B and C thing twice. Um, do you have your scripture app on your phone? Um, no, right now I'm in a book. Okay, uh, do you have a... Yes, so there's one more that I want to have you read. Hold on, uh, I'm trying to find one. it. Okay, uh, search for awake and, o- uh, and arise, O daughter. Uh, you're breaking up now. Search in your scripture app, awake and arise, O daughter of Zion. I think it's Isaiah chapter 51. Okay, Isaiah. I have to go back to the home page before I can search for some reason. Okay. Uh-huh. Or type in beautiful garment. No, wait, home page on your scripture app on your phone? Yeah. So it has like a home page that has all of the different books you can go into. Oh, Okay. Um, that came awake. to me while mom was reading tonight Yeah Awake uh, and arise No It's in the Old Testament It's in the book of Isaiah If you put in the If you put in the search function Awake and arise You'll probably be able to find it pretty quick So when you put in awake and arise, then you'll it'll bring up a bunch of stuff, and then go to scripture on the top of the screen, and then click on that, and then it'll show you uh, Old Testament, New Testament, whatever. Click on the Old Testament, and then scroll down to Isaiah. I mean it'll Isaiah. Give you, okay. Um. Do you have any idea, anything else about it? Because I looked it up, like, just in Isaiah, and it's not pulling up anything. Daughter of Zion, uh, put on our beautiful garment. Put on thy beautiful garment. Or you could just type in beautiful garment. Isaiah 52. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Uh, Was that it? Yeah, just read that. 
Shake thyself from the dust, arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money. For thus, for thus saith the Lord God, my people went down aforetime into Egypt to uh, sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now therefore, what I have here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught, they that rule over them to howl, saith the Lord, and my name is continually, every day is, bla- is blasphemized, blasphemed. Therefore my people shall know my name, therefore they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good things, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring it again, Zion. Break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy, uh, the Lord hath made bare his holy arms, I think that's him, holy arm, in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart ye, depart ye, uh, go ye out from thence, touch no unclean thing, go ye out of the midst of her, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your reward. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many uh, as many were uh, astonied at thee. His visage was so... It says astonied. It's A-S-T-O-N-I-E-D. Okay. <laughs> yeah, weird word. His visage was so married more than any man, or married, and his form more than the sons of men. So Mord. shall he sprinkle. Mord, okay. Or it's spelt with an A, Mard. Uh, so shall he sprinkle many nations, the kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. And that is the end of Isaiah 52. Yeah. And the sprinkling that he's speaking of is the sprinkling of the word of God to all nations and continents of the earth. This podcast can be heard on every single continent on this whole earth, even Antarctica. And there are people all over the earth that do listen to this program. Uh, The marring of the marred servant is first uh, by reputation, that uh, people will uh, mar his reputation through lies, accusations, and slander. But then it is that um, there's a physical marring as well that comes with that at the end of his life. And the only reason I know about these things is because I am that person. 
I am the servant that was uh, prophesied to be sent. And God is uh, calling out the birthright tribe of Ephraim to gather into the safe places for the destruction is at your door. So um, I was kind of teasing with Kim a little bit about the revelation. Um, I was like, you know, like this is all according to God's standard time. So if you're in the church, you know about Mormon standard time, which is always like they say, you know, we'll meet at noon and then everybody gets there around one. Well, God's standard time on our, from our perspective is a lot worse. And I hope that there's a lot more time because I really don't want to go through this. I am not looking forward to any of this. But God has issued a warning, and if people will not hearken unto that warning, then I'm sorry. Uh, There will come a time when people have to gather out of the cities because they would not leave, and they would uh, go into the top of the mountains, and there will come a time when we all meet together in that place for all of these people who hear these words that will not accept them or treat them as a thing of naught. Yeah, and that time will come. I guarantee it. But for those of you who want Zion and Zion's redemption, I do have the keys of the priesthood and the kingdom, and God has told me to organize the Church of the Living Messiah and the School of the Prophets. I don't know all things. But I do know what's true, and I know what God has told me. And if people will repent, we're in Emory County. So, um, but I know that it's either going to be one of two things for the most part. Well, one of three things. People who have a lot of knowledge because of a lot of, uh, a lot of study and a lot of supposed knowledge, they're too wise, and they won't listen. People who are angry at the church and just take everything and they don't get any revelation and they completely reject these things, that'll be one thing. And then there's these other people who are like somebody the other day. They said, you are the true vine. You know, and I've had other people who have gotten a very powerful witness that I am exactly who I claim to be. And they don't ever come. God wants you to hear, and he wants you to do. And if you will not do both, then I don't know what to tell you. And I feel sorry for some of these people because that involves possibly leaving their families. But, I mean, you could stay comfortable in Babylon the Gray and then be destroyed by it. And you know what? I even think... Sometimes I would rather just be destroyed by Babylon the Great than have to go through all the mess that's going to happen. It'd be easier. (laughs) But I can't. So I'm going to be obedient to God, and I will stand on true principles whether or not anybody stands with me. So anyway, I would just suggest people take a look at the revelation that was recently received and also... Uh, you know, the book of Isaiah talks about the marred servant, and Isaiah 49 is another one. Uh, Psalms chapter uh, 2 is another one. Like, there's a ton of scriptures in there all being fulfilled in your ears 
at this time in world history. So, anyway, I don't really have anything else to say. I'm glad that people do listen to this program. I hope that you can gain something from it, but you can know all of the everything and still be damned. Satan knows the scriptures backwards and forwards, and he knows the mysteries. And it's not going to help him. It's action. God is looking for a people who are quality, not quantity. He needs people who will do all that he has commanded so that Zion can be redeemed. And if that doesn't happen, the earth will be destroyed at his coming, along with everybody on it, except for the few of us who actually are obedient and trying to be obedient to his commandments. So, anyway, um, and one last thing before we go. There is supposedly 16 million members of the Church of Jesus Christ Christ of Latter-day Saints. There are millions of endowed members of the Church who have all taken covenants to live the commandments and to keep the covenants. And in those covenants is the law of consecration which is the foundation for a united order. The church has billions, if not trillions of dollars, and not one united order. These men have made a business out of this enterprise. They are not keeping the commandments of God. Uh, Scripture states that it is not given for one man to own that which is above another, wherefore the whole world lieth in sin. And... uh, I wish that I would have taken some pictures, uh, screenshots of the Zillow.com of President Nielsen's house uh, in the interior (coughs) before he became president and he moved into uh, where the president of the church lives in downtown Fall Lake. Um, When he was an apostle, he lived in this massive mansion. Oh, it's not massive, but it was very nice, millions of dollars. And, uh, you know, they just live in such a way that God does not want them to live, and they don't care. If you will be a Zion Peak people, you have to be equal in all things, and they are not equal. They place themselves on velvet red velvet chairs uh, as thrones in front of the people of God and they refuse to keep God's commandments. They keep the basic ones, sure, maybe. But you don't know what they do behind the scenes. But they don't keep the other ones either. 16 million members and not one united order. If you thought the church was in condemnation for treating the things of God lightly in the 1830s, You are so far beyond uh, condemned right now, and DNC Section 112 is going to come upon you, where, you know, gross darkness covereth the earth, and gross darkness my people, and all of these destructions and things that are described begin in the Lord's house, among they who say they know me and do not. These men that these people follow do not at all no God and um, 
I don't know, they're just imposters. And I know that a lot of people are going to be upset with that, and I know a lot of other people are going to think I'm batshit crazy. But I don't know what to tell you. The evidence is there if you want to look for it. So anyway, um, I guess we'll just be done with the program for today. I'm going to go ahead and cue the music, uh, Sleep Away, and then we'll be back on tomorrow at 8 p.m. for part two of chapter 16 of Holy Priesthood, volume six, the keys of the manifesto or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead, Emma. Mm -hmm. 